Welcome to another Making an Impression, The Sketches. This is part two of my recording with the fabulous Josh Berry and legendary Alastair McGowan. We discussed the risks involved in doing impressions of the actual people when they're in the same room, the differences between impressions and impersonations, why some voices just happen while others take years to learn, and doing impressions just for our own amusement. Three great sketches with voices that include the repair shop crew, Jimmy Carr, Daniel Radcliffe, Jose Mourinho, David Mitchell, plus many more like Prince Harry, Gary Barlow and Hugh Grant, just thrown in for the hell of it. Enjoy. We're going to move on to a sketch by Sean Percival. It's called Repair Shop. And now I know, Alistair, you do Bill Patterson. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, Josh, you could turn your hand to Boris pretty well. I could, yeah. I know Alistair is, is excellent, but I'm happy to, very happy to do it. I'll, I'll take on, uh, I'll take on Jay Blaine's because a, I don't know who he is, uh, and B doesn't matter because no one else really does. Um, <laughs> Sean doesn't know who he is because his, his name's Jay Blades. Jay Jay Blades, isn't it? That's quite quite yeah, right. Yeah, that's why you don't know who he is. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that explains everything. He's a fabulously good-looking black guy who. Used to be a furniture restorer, and he's a really good presenter. He was so poor at one point that uh, he lay in his car outside somewhere in Wolverhampton, yeah, and uh, slept in his car for three days because he was at his wits' end, absolutely rock bottom. He's a Londoner with a very deep voice, basically. Yeah, he's got a real, real, real proper Cockney, Cockney geezer. He happens to be black Cockney, but he's so, slightly got real vowels. He's slightly got his vowels sorted out, and he. Yeah, he's all right, okay. all right guy. Hey, doing all right, all right guy. Yeah, all right. All right, I'll do that. I'll do him like that. No bother. Okay, so we've got. So this is repair shop by Sean Percival, and uh, away we go. Welcome to the repair shop, where precious but fading treasures are restored to their former glory. Furniture restorer Jay Blades and a dream team of experts come together to work their magic. Employing skills passed down the generations, they will attempt to restore the items and unlock the stories that they hold. Our first visitor to the repair shop today is Boris from Westminster. He has brought along a precious item that has recently been severely damaged. Hello there, I'm Jay. Hi, hi, hi. Hello, Jay. I'm Boris. Right then, Boris. Uh, how can we help you? Well, uh, Jay, uh, it's my uh, reputation. Uh, it's uh, very precious to me, uh, but over the years it's been tarnished, uh, torn to shreds and shattered. Uh, and, uh, at the moment, uh, I would be fair to say my reputation is in absolute tatters and it needs restoring. Hmm. Okay, Boris. So, well, so tell us a story. How's your reputation ended up in such a state? Well, to, uh, to be honest, Jay, uh, I, 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 I really don't know where to start. Uh, I call the African people pickaninnies with watermelon smiles. I refer to uh, Muslim women as letterboxes. Uh, I, I've, I've never been faithful. Uh, God knows how many kids I've got. I, I've peddled all kinds of untruths to further my career. And, and if that wasn't bad enough, I went around telling everyone it was okay to shake hands and uh, the onset of a, of a terrible pandemic. Hmm. All right, so let's see, Boris. You're a lying, cheating racist whose total incompetence has probably cost thousands of lives. 
Uh, and to cap it all, you've left a trail of bastards a mile long in your wake. Um, that is a severely damaged reputation. I, uh, uh, you're, you're going to have your, your work cut out restoring that, Jim. All right. Well, leave it with us, Boris. Uh, we'll see what we can do. Okay. Uh, bye for now. After watching the depraved, shameless arsehole leave the repair shop, Jay set to work. Yeah, well, this is going to be a very difficult restoration. Uh, I'm going to have to find some really uh, shady, greedy, despicable, unscrupulous, self-serving individuals who are prepared to sell their own mothers for a peerage. Jay got in his car and headed straight for the House of Commons. A couple of weeks later, both Jay and Boris returned to the repair shop. Welcome back, Boris. Good to see you again. Good to see you too, Jay. How did it go? Well, Boris, uh, using a network of seedy media moguls, dodgy news editors, and uh, combining them with blackmailed bungs and a couple of carefully orchestrated smear campaigns, we think we've done the job. That is absolutely marvellous, Jay. So, so uh, my, my reputation has been completely restored. Yeah, I wouldn't go that far, Boris. Uh, everyone knows that you're a nasty piece of work, but uh, we've managed to get the xenophobes to like you. So I'm uh, I'm popular with more than half the country. Spiffing. Well done, Jay. Uh, if there's anything I can do for you, let me know. Uh, a seat in the House of Lords, maybe. Uh, thousands of pounds of public money and a place on a trade mission. Although, uh, strictly speaking, uh, you have to sleep with me to get that. Sorry. Although, uh, strictly speaking, you do have to sleep with me to get the latter. <laughs> with that, Boris left the repair shop. He did phone us a couple of days later to ask if there was anything we could do to restore the reputation of his American friend Donald. But we told him, we are the repair shop, not fucking miracle workers. Until next time at the repair shop, goodbye. Well, chaps, I I enjoyed that. I think it had some good jokes in there, some nice, so it kind of picked up on some nice little Borisisms, I thought, and I thought the Patterson. Terrific impression that, Alistair, by the way. And, and what, did, what was your view of that? Yeah, I think it's uh, just little trims here and there. Sometimes in, in lists, you know, there's the old comedy rule of three, which I know Sean knows very well, but sometimes he's got sort of four or five things mm. vying for attention in the bigger speech. You think, just go for the three. Yeah. Uh, and there are a couple of, I mean, he's done really well getting on some of these, uh, especially the opening intro is full of proper repair shop uh, terminology. But he just missed for me when when they come back, there's always that, how are you feeling? A bit, a bit, a bit nervous. They always say, how are you feeling? Are you ready for this one? Oh, a bit nervous. They're always nervous about seeing the thing. And I think that's the sort of thing, if you're an aficionado of this program, you would relish just that being picked up on yeah. uh, this time or every time they come back. But you mm. know what really pleased me listening to that sketch? And it reminded me of when I first started on Weekending years ago. We had somebody on Weekending, or Radio 4 had somebody on Weekending called um, uh, David Tate. And David mm. was, in those days, probably my age, but he was, what, 30 years older than I, I was. And if I didn't know somebody, particularly in the government, he would tell me about the voice and he'd say, they come from this area, it's quite high, slurs his S's, but, and I'd start doing it a bit deeper, yeah, and then he does this and he doesn't ever say a T sound, yeah, you've got it. So I'd have no idea if what I was doing was right or not. And then I'd hear the voice a couple of days later and I'd go, how did he coach that out of me? Yeah. And I have to say, I'm, I'm, I think you probably would have done the same thing anyway, but I'm patting myself on my back here, Simon, because your Jay Blades was really, really good. Oh, and I think, I hope I just gave you a few little things and went, oh, yeah, absolutely. even confidence to say, this is what he does. It sounded dead like him. Probably more more luck than judgment, but that, that's very interesting because generally as an impressionist, I mean, Josh, you probably back me up here, that we hear stuff. 
that's you know it starts with the hearing of stuff and then we we like to see how people move and how they do the things they do that often you know the, the movements the, the little ticks the physical things that inf- help then inform the voice but the idea of actually coming at it from the other end where somebody says right these are the eight things you need to do to mm. get to the voice that, that sounds to me like a, a kind of alchemy it was a, it was a great skill when you've got somebody as out there as Boris, and it was, I think the same with Trump. There's very little about those sorts of characters that we're not aware of, or if they if they are, what, if you were to try and sell them, people say, "Well, that's not Boris," you know, Boris being mm. being reflective and and generous. Well, no, that's not Boris, unless, unless of course you do. I know Alistair, probably you did this back in your stand-up days. That that business of taking somebody you know to be X and making them Y, um, mm. and the, you know the contrast being being the joke almost. Did you did you ever go down that road? Oh, definitely, yeah. The, the way you wouldn't expect to see them or the job you wouldn't expect to see them doing or hear them doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just wanted to pick up on one thing that I've talked about a lot on previous shows, the the business of pitch. You, you Josh, completely sold that impression to me of Boris. And yet I'd say your natural pitch is 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 higher than boris quite high yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, i wouldn't say you've got a high voice but it, your pitch is high and i think probably alistair yeah. you know you, your pitch is somewhere in the middle i guess yeah. um and my mine's always been a bit on the low side and so you know when, mm. if i was doing boris I, you, yes you, 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 my voice is somewhere down there and you're mm. doing it at a different pitch and yet this, i always find this fascinating that you can still make an impression work regardless of pitch mm. I mean, Danny, Danny Postel, who's been on the show a few times, you know, can also does Boris. And Danny's voice is pretty high pitched naturally, because mm. if you hear him do um, Diane Abbott, you know, it's just mind bendingly brilliant. But he can do Boris, and and yet his his pitch is higher. Do you ever feel that pitch? Do you ever see pitch as a hurdle that you is difficult to overcome, or do you think? Fuck it, you know I I can do the accent, I can do the inflections, I can do the the pauses and all the bits and pieces that go up to make the voice. And pitch is actually the least important thing. No, I mean I I think I'm very conscious of pitch actually, and I try sort of in a concerted way with with Boris to really. I've heard that if you try and yawn, it relaxes your vocal cords, which can make you go a bit lower. Yeah. So I, so I am definitely trying to do that. But, you know, yeah, I look at a lot of him, like, you know, Steve Coogan and also you, Simon, because your voices are quite low. There are loads of voices that are nailed because of that lower pitch Mm. that I just wouldn't even have a look in at. And, you know, that'll probably change if I, you know, as my vocal cords age. But um, but like Terry Wogan, like I just wouldn't have a I would I wouldn't have a a voice in the conversation or whatever. Um, So, yeah, no, I'm very aware of it. I think. But you try and do do what you can, you know, with with uh, with the voice. Well, we we had a sketch in the one of the earlier shows, which which was called the Three Morgans. So we had three Morgan Freemans, and uh, oh. I I did it along with Darren Altman and Danny Danny Postel, and oh. Danny was very reluctant to do the sketch because he didn't think he could really pit, sell, you know, because well down down here, and he, you know, I so I was kind of. For me, it's a very natural place to be. Darren was pushing his voice downwards a little bit to, to find that, and, and Danny was quite up here somewhere. If, if Alistair and I were doing Louis Theroux, and then also we've got actual Louis Theroux, and we're all just sort of going, am I Louis or are you Louis? Is that, do you feel weird about doing this? You know, I think, I think that would be really funny. 
my wife is always very wary if ever the situation has arisen which is pretty rare of me doing an impression of somebody who's also in the room or who speaks next or <laughs> on their television show and they interview you and they want you to do them she'll always say don't don't do it and i always think oh that's that's not you haven't got much confidence in my voice but no <laughs> how good your impression is when you put it alongside the real one it's very rare and i'm sure you'd say the same josh and, and so mm. you've got that sort of central penumbra if that's the right physical term that are dead on and you've got others that are in the umbra outside which you know are sort of roughly right mm. uh so you don't want those held up alongside i did the thing on did you do the imitation game you must have done the imitation game i, I didn't actually no but there was a round on that where you had to do it was like blind date and three people were behind a screen one was the real in my case william haig and then we had rory and me both doing william haig now i always quite rated my william haig and i enjoyed <laughs> doing it. i got a laugh out of him for many many years on the cabaret circuit but alongside the actual man himself it didn't sound at all like him um <laughs> I think didn't John Colshaw do a show uh, on TV where he, yes, he, did. he interviewed, yeah. you know, so he, he was, Oh, ha, Chris Tarrant. Ha, ha. And there was Chris Tarrant sitting opposite him. And, and of course, John's brilliant, but, as soon as you've got the real voice there, you're onto a hiding to nothing, really, aren't you? It comes up now and again. People will say, what's the difference? The worst question, I'm sure you've both been asked it. What's the difference between an impression and an impersonation? Yeah, of course. But I actually once once had a, I met David Suchet at, a, at an event, and he was fascinated and fascinating about this whole thing. And he said, and I think I'm right in saying this, that an impersonation comes from the Greek or something, persona, meaning not the persona of that people, but through sound. And he said, an impersonation is that person talking through you. And right. an impression is, it's what you interpret that thing to be. So if there is a difference in those two words, and I don't know if it's ever used consciously by anybody, but an impersonation is probably the thing you're doing where they are speaking through you, which for me is like Gary Lineker. But an impression has to be, by definition almost, you know, this is my take on. It's, it's, a, it's yes. a cartoon, isn't it? More of a cartoon than, than a sort yeah. of a, you know, I, I think that's, Again, something we've talked about on the show that a lot of voices, you, you wouldn't just be able to sustain them particularly, you, you know, but you can find the little cartoon mm. element that, that enables you to just sell it when you're on stage or in a, in a quick sketch. And then there'll be some, and I would probably, I don't know, probably take Eubank, where I could probably talk as Chris Eubank all day. Who, I mean, who'd want to mm. do that? But I could probably <laughs> do that. And, you know, there, there are some voices you just inhabit and you, you almost take on the characteristics of that person, or at least you mentally you feel as though you're almost embodying that person it's fascinating as well as what you say about yeah doing it to that person because i i also think a problem with that is that that's always going to draw a bit of a blank because no one thinks that much about how they sound mm. right you, it's, it's unless you're a, an enormous narcissist you're probably mm. not going to sit back and watch yourself <laughs> I, I and I, I remember having done it to various people and, and i did it to Djokovic, and it just sort of just i kind of got nothing or and andy murray sort of begrudgingly laughed and very it, it sent me a letter after this gig i did for uh, uh, his charity and he was like you know, I've got to begrudgingly congratulate you on your impression of me uh, in brackets. I'm told it's very accurate, which, which I, thought was, I thought was so funny and so yeah. like, but I also totally get it right because he's never, he won't know. You, you, you don't know how you sound. I remember being, God help me, on Celebrity Squares. This must have been about 1995. Me, me and Jimmy 
Cricket and Dirty Den, Leslie Grantham and June Whitfield. And, you know, uh, what am I sitting here for? But anyway, uh, one of the other boxes uh, was Chris Akabusi. And I used to do that. You know, I don't want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the producer said to me, when Chris laughs, will you do the laugh as well? And Mm. we'll get the camera going between you. And I just said, no. (laughs) Really, no. That's the worst idea I've ever heard in my life. And you cannot cannot be that person. Let's move on to uh, the next sketch. Uh, It's another one by Rob Smith. It's called The Last Supper. Uh, now we've got Jimmy Carr. Is that, is that Josh? You're a, Jimmy Carr? Yeah, yeah, I do. I do an all right, Jimmy. And then we've got uh, some other characters. And uh, Yeah. Well, he says Judas sounds like John Richardson. So shall I try Judas? I've never done John Richardson, but it's a steer. So uh, we've got Jimmy Carr. We've got, um, I'll play Peter. Judas is going to be played um, as a kind of a John Richardson. Uh, and we've got, Mark as well. Haven't we got Mark in here somewhere? Yeah, yeah we've got Mark. Mark. Oh, yeah. Alistair, do you want to come up with? Yeah, something? so I'll do a Mark. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it. So it's it's The Last Supper, Rob Smith, and take it away, Jimmy Carr. Hello, I'm Jimmy Carr. I'm still a bit surprised you wanted me to host The Disciples' Last Supper, but I guess I am hosting everything else now. <laughs> we already had a place booked for JC, so when you know who didn't show, uh, we thought of you. I've always preferred you, Jimmy. Thank you, Judas. You remind me of a friendlier John Richardson. Uh, did you manage to sort out the food for tonight? Uh, only our JC sorts that out like he did when he fed the 5,000 with a few loaves and fishes. I'm sorry, fellas. I'm, I'm not one for miracles, although you'd be surprised at how little tax I pay. Ha, 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 ha! Yeah, 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 yeah. Never mind the food. We need to think about the washing of feet in solemn contemplative prayer. I've got a really good joke about feet, although it's a slightly risque ending. Oh, I'd like to hear a rude joke. Be quiet, Judas. Jimmy, why don't you tell us how you intend to get us all to think on a deeper, more spiritual level? Have you seen the series 8 Out of 10 Cats Does Countdown? Is that a spiritual show? No, not at all. Uh, It's actually quite the opposite. Oh, I think that sounds... Judas! I've got some spiritual one-liners if you want to hear those. Uh, Look, this is a serious time, Jimmy. It's important that we all come together. It's important that we think about how we can be better friends, better neighbours, how we can be... Better people. I do host the big fat quiz of the year for charity, and it's and it's on Channel 4. If you're hosting, Jimmy, you can probably claim some of your costs back as tax-deductible business expenses. Judas. Oh. I understand what you're saying. I'm not religious myself, but I but I can see that there's a there's a benefit to having a deeper, more spiritual connection to each other and, and to the world. I do host the big fat quiz of the year for charity. Obviously, I run it off as a as tax-deductible business. So you'll take a different, more enlightened path? Probably not. I have just signed to host another series of Your Face or Mine. <laughs> Love the laugh. He talks in talks in jokes. I he, he talks in literally almost, you know, on those shows. Yeah. It, mm. It's constantly like, you know, so if you if you got all of Susie's books together, then uh, no one will give a shit. And and that, <laughs> I, I almost feel like I think it's really good this get, but I almost feel as though it needs almost every Jimmy bit needs to be a joke. When I was starting out on the stand-up circuit, and you remember Jeff Green, I'm sure I told you this before uh, in one of our other chats, but Jeff Green once said to me, it's easy for you, mate. All you've got to do is do a funny voice and people fucking laugh. And I thought, that is really not true. 
because you've yeah. got to have something underneath it. And in yeah. a way, this sketch is that because I listened to that and really enjoyed it because Josh's Jimmy Carr was so good. Yes, and I'm thinking, that's good. And the jokes that you get for Jimmy in this, written by Rob, are, are good when they come. When I started up, because I had nothing, I, I, I could just do some voices. And I was in that, we mentioned uh, in, previously that I was in the Hackney Empire <laughs> New Act of the Year final, and I'd only done seven gigs. So I didn't really have any jokes. And I used to do Billy Connolly, and I, you know, I couldn't even do him all that well at the time. And I'm not sure. I certainly can't do him now because he's, I haven't done it for a long time. But it, I just, all I did with Billy Connolly goes, have you ever noticed how my voice goes up and then it goes down and it goes up and it goes down? And I thought, <laughs> well, I knew at the time there's no joke here. And I could hear, I could, you, could, you could feel the audience willing me mm. <laughs> to take that yeah. to a tag. And I just yeah. didn't have one. But when you're when you're starting out as an impressionist, I think Jeff's got a point that actually you think, well, I can do a load of voices, so I'm I'm going to get my laugh bit for the for yeah. the recognition, right? Yeah. And then as you develop, you, what you realise is that you can only go so far sounding like yeah. people. That Billy Connolly one, you've made an observation, yeah. which again, like you were saying earlier on, Josh, is probably what we've all taken on board, but never voiced. We've never mm. put it as succinctly as that. We've got one more sketch to do, which we'll do in a tick. I just wanted to ask both of you, really, perhaps Josh, start start things off. Are you, what are you working on at the moment, voice-wise? What are you trying to nail? What are you finding difficult? What are, where, where are you at? I'll, I'll be honest, I haven't really sort of, because I've been writing a book, I haven't really been focusing as much on on impressions. And I'm trying to, if this can get published, then I would I'd hopefully be, it's like a route about politics and, and UK politics. So being able to do all the various politicians' voices and read in that in an audio book would be, would be great. Yeah, I'm trying to, I was trying to, trying to do a few of the Royals the other day, try and get Prince William. That's, he's quite tricky. Cause you know, when you listen to Prince Harry, for example, he's got that really sort of distinctive, very sort of, you know, sounds as though he's been smoking or whatever. He's just got a really <laughs> yeah. dry, yeah. dry throat. And William is not like that at all. William is William is so deep by comparison. So yeah, yeah I've just been trying to get those, you know, sort of recognisable voices. But it's difficult because it's all a it's all a sort of faith, a leap of faith. Because you're like, well, I'm presuming that this will lead to monetizable work or will have a relevant role in my stand up or whatever. Yeah. But obviously, it may it may well not. Or you know. Someone may get cancelled and no longer be <laughs> relevant to, to, to people. We all, I think, have impressions that, that we do for our own amusement. So you must have a load of voices that you do just to amuse yourself because they have no currency out there, you know, on, on, on yeah, stage. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I've never taken part in the music scene. I'm, I've never. The last time I brought a, bought a single probably was 1976. My, my music taste are Radio 3 and classic <laughs> music. Yeah. And doing anybody from Radio 3 is just a complete waste of time because nobody knows. <laughs> uh, but there is a presenter on there called Ian Skelly, who used to do a program called Essential Classics every morning from 9 till 12. And he's just left as of last week and now presents concerts in the evenings. But Ian was one of the voices that I would do and uh, I think is uh, possibly one of the best voices I've ever done. But um, <laughs> even he is no longer Do you invest much, much time and effort in that kind of voice? Or is it just, look, here's a voice that I, I can just do and I've got it and it's just fun. 
it really is that. I mean, that's the thing with impressionists and hearing Josh talking is fascinating because there are certain voices that, you know, they just come. Ian Skelly, because I listened to him a lot yeah. recently without a, too much work. Monty Don, I think I did yeah. for you last time. And, you know, I've started watching Gardeners World and Monty is somebody who <laughs> permeates yeah. into my very being because I just watched the program so much but others you have to work so hard at yeah. and you're thinking like with harry and william you're thinking what is it what are they doing what are they doing what where is the voice what are, what are they doing and and you can't always get them and sometimes you know finally years later you get it and if they're still present and current you're thrilled but yeah. sometimes the yeah. you get it late or football managers always kill me chelsea managers you just get a chelsea manager and they get sacked <laughs> yes. Every time. I, had, I had the same thing with with russell brand i spent years trying to learn to see russell brand because he's oh. so like complex isn't he? he's got so many different mm. voices and i remember you know listening back to him for, for ages and ages and then eventually i sort of you know list, listening to like the under the skin podcast with him and that sort of like inherently i think intrinsically in everyone just a great big thesaurus theologically and colonoscopically <laughs> speaking and that and I, and I sort of but but he's got that you know that very sort of crisp thing going on like that but then also that sort of like i don't know mate i'm just a sex addict what you know and, and <laughs> that's great pulling those all those strands together you're right it takes your brain ages to mm. sort of get everything to slot into place but when it does it's obviously so satisfying yeah yeah there is, there is there's a bit of a jigsaw element to it and we, we we've talked before about you know the sort of the instinctive uh, assimilation of a voice uh in your mind and in your in your voice box but then you know for forensically tracking down the the extra bits and pieces that absolutely nail it and it wasn't my strength that you know i i could either do it or or i thought I couldn't be bothered but that's uh, we all you know i guess we've all got different approaches to voices and you did mention uh mitchell and webb uh alistair just yes. a, a moment ago so we're going to go on to our final sketch today um which um, got david mitchell in it so alistair's ah. just disappeared off screen so it's just you and me josh and i don't do any of these jolly good you know <laughs> well uh i i i've watched lots and lots of peep show over the years and frankly would i why would i even want to do a day uh, who'd even want to hear that <laughs> i i tell you what another thing <laughs> i remember my uh, this is a story I, I love to tell which is i was once asked to go can you do david mitchell and I, I i i suppose i can do david mitchell somewhere in the back of my throat here so i i, I was asked to go and do this voiceover and off i went and i they said oh it's um when I got there, it's a Mitchell and Webb voiceover. Oh, oh great. Who's doing Webb? And they said, uh, Webb. <laughs> <laughs> so I was in a studio with, Mitchell, uh, uh, with uh, Robert Webb and um, Anne Reed. She was in there with us as well. And it was for... Yeah. One of their, I think one of their IBM things. And so I'm trying to do David Mitchell uh, to the guy who works with David Mitchell. As it turned out, he said to me, um, I think he said I, he loved it. He loved it. And he said, it's a, that's a very Baroque, Baroque. Oh, that's, that's, that's oh, really yeah. good there. You've really got something of Robert Webb there. Yeah. Is there something yeah. about Webb that if I bothered, I could probably find it. But anyway, let's let's move on. I'd love to hear a good Webb. I haven't been able to do him. He's sort of... It's something... That, you know, that sort of like, uh, oh, David. Just, uh, it, there's a kind of a good. filter on his voice that I... Yeah. I can sometimes find. Anyway, um, this is... Um, it's a smoker's quality, you know. That's it is the actually. Is it? Yeah. If you're a non-smoker, you can never get that smoky it's, quality. It's, John Culture can, weirdly. He's, yeah. he's not a smoker, but he can get the mm. smoky quality. And a lot of non-smokers, they just can't get that. It's, that it's a damage. It's damage. Oh, yeah, damage. But also, it feels like there's quite a sort of mucusy 
do you know what I mean? Quality to webs. Yes. Mm. Yeah, it's kind of heavy, That's isn't it? I know I was talking to Rory in one of the earlier shows. He was telling me that I can't remember which impression it was, but uh, it might have been Roger Moore. I'm not sure. And I said to him, "How? because your voice isn't low. How are you finding those low tones? And he said he got a cigarette and he smoked it straight into his mouth. So he had the, yes, the lit yes. end into his mouth and breathed in the smoke huh. and suddenly he, he was able to do it. And quite extraordinary. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, this, is, this sketch features Jose Mourinho. That's, uh, that's a shoo-in for Alistair. We've got David Mitchell, which is a, equally a shoo-in for uh, Josh. I'm going to try and do Michael, Michael McIntyre because it's a small part and I can't really do him, but I will do my cod Michael McIntyre. And we've got Daniel Radcliffe. I don't know... If that's one for you, Josh, is that a Daniel Radcliffe? Yeah, I've I've done uh, Daniel. Yeah, over. Uh, well, I, funnily enough, I did him on stage, and just sort of no one really knew what he <laughs> what he said. Or maybe the impression wasn't very good. But I, I do feel like that's to a very large extent how a lot of my act a lot of my act now is about how the audience don't know who it is I'm doing and how I'm wasting my time learning all these impressions because ultimately they just fail. <laughs> but, uh, but yes, I will do him. I can finally apply some of the work I put into doing it. Here. Perfect. Well, there we are. So this is called Modern English Gentleman. It's by one of our uh, regular contributors, Rachel E. Thorne. And uh, take it away, Jose. As you know, what I say is true. I am Jose Mourinho, the top gentleman in Europe. I am the more attractive, the more suave, the more confident. Even Thierry Henry, he cannot beat me, but I am not, uh, you call it, a top modern English gentleman. If I am top gentleman in Europe, I must also be top modern English gentleman. You teach? I learn? Right. Well, that sent my anxiety levels into overdrive. But they say to me, here is David Mitchell. Yes, yes, I, I am here. They say to me, David Mitchell is an uh, English gentleman. Uh, that is a fact that cannot be disputed. I am English, and I am both uh, a gentle man and a genteel man. And pedantic man? You say pedantic, I say precise. Precision, very important in football. Perhaps uh, we get along. I like to think I get along with everybody, and yet nobody. This, in fact, may be the hallmark of English gentlemanliness. Mm, I, too, have no friend. Only subordinates and lovers. You help me be top modern English gentleman. Ah, you're looking to be the top modern English gentleman. I can't help you there. Why not? My public persona is painstakingly built around me being slightly out of date, a little bit fusty, rather like William Morris wallpaper. So you top period drama English gentleman, no? No, no. Sadly, that role was bagsied by Colin Firth. So you top uh, entitled English gentleman. That's Hugh Grant. You know, used to me. You look like you take trousers off before socks and shirt. That would be a valid assessment. Then who else is English gentleman? Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> you Michael McIntyre? I am, I am. It's terribly nice to meet you. Uh, just, just horribly nice. You English gentleman? Of course. Uh, you can tell by my upward inflection and superlative adverbs that I'm frightfully full of boyish cheer. I need you to get out of my face. Now, Daniel Radcliffe, you English gentleman? Oh, uh, yeah, uh, probably am, yeah. You're a modern English gentleman? Well, um, I, I, I am quite modern, yeah, because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm here now. But you bumbling and underconfident. You are another David Mitchell. David Mitchell? Oh, oh gosh, no, no. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not intelligent enough for that. Uh, I didn't go to school, you see. Why not? I'm too busy becoming a child millionaire. It's so embarrassing. 
This is pointless. Why do none of you English gentlemen have style, Panache? Look, Jose, that's just not the English way. Me? I like to win. I think I am top modern English gentleman. You can't be. You're too arrogant. Please don't call me arrogant. Um, why shouldn't he? Because I am not one of the bottle. I am a special one. Well, you're certainly special. Now, piss off back to Portugal. Daniel and I are going to have a cup of tea and a biscuit like the English gentleman we are. Nice one. Nice one, David. Uh, so, so frightfully brave. Horribly brave. Uh, can I have a Garibaldi? Definitely not. Rachel did a sketch. I'm not sure if it was one we did with you, Alistair, where she's... Uh, yes, it was. It was the Louis Theroux sketch uh, in which she kind of deconstructed the Louis Theroux yeah. malarkey yeah. by, by yeah. kind of walking you through it. And I think yes. it's a kind of similar idea, this, that you're, you're taking the characters who explain the point, that, as it were, the best characters to, to make your point, and then actually saying them out loud. And I thought it was quite good, I, I, but I, I did think it was a bit long. The, the interesting thing for me, because that was sight reading, so we hadn't had that one before, yeah. so no time to get around it. Mm. Two things I'll say. One is that when, you, when you're an impressionist, more than an actor, I think, if you're given something to read, your first concern is, is the voice. You yeah. almost don't think about what you're reading. You're thinking about the sounds yeah. and how mm. to, to mm. make that code work where you're shifting every single sense uh, sound to make sense as, as that person. So you almost don't take the sketch in the first time you read it. Mm. You're just thinking about the words that you're saying and how they're going to, to best be pronounced. But uh, the thing that really struck me is, was the um, reference to, what's his name? Daniel Radcliffe. It was such a good voice. And that thing, and again, it's another point to make really about impressions in general. I'm not intelligent enough for that. <laughs> I didn't go to school because I was too busy becoming a charming millionaire. <laughs> you think now therein lies possibly Daniel Radcliffe's whole thing. When you see him on chat mm. shows, he yeah. is so awkward. It's painful. Oh, it's appalling. Yeah. Yeah. So then you think, do you draw attention <laughs> to that? Because this poor, well, not poor and not a kid, but this, this young man with lots of money, you must feel very sensitively towards him because you think it, it, it must be quite difficult being Daniel Radcliffe. We did a sketch or had written sketches years ago. This is 1999 when I was doing my first show. So a long time ago about Gary Barlow. Now, Gary Barlow at the time had done Take That, and he hadn't had the solo career. Take That hadn't come back. And I saw him interviewed on the Ian Wright show. Ian had a chat <laughs> show in them days. And Gary was on there being really, really weird. And so I wrote this series of sketches for our show about Gary sort of losing it and going a bit mad. And I, we read them out, and my producer just said, we're not doing those sketches. I said, well, why not? They're really funny. Everybody laughed. I said, because if he saw them, that would upset him so much that if he is suffering from any sort of depression, that's going to hurt. And do you want to be responsible for that? And it was such a good note. And you think, yeah. you have to remember that people are people. And to say yeah. that about Daniel Radcliffe is really funny. <laughs> but at the same time, you think, God, that's, that is his life. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, he's hamstrung by being a famous kid who's yeah. grown up and is still a little bit nervous that he's not bright. Maybe I'm over overreacting, but... <laughs> No, I, I don't. On think his part, overempathizing. Let's say he's he's hit the pinnacle of his career, arguably, unless he has a resurgence, like as a child, which must be mm. so weird. You just feel like exactly. you're declining from there. It's, so it's interesting when you see him cast in, as he is from time to time in other films, in American films, playing Americans, and you think yeah. actually his range is limited. I don't actually. I don't know if it's just that his range is limited, or that we're so used to seeing him playing the swatty you know, wizard guy. Uh, and we're yeah. so used to him being a child 
that we can't take him seriously. We can't we can't let our minds go to the place that he's trying to take us in the character. But it's also, I think, the problem now with chat shows is that you're expected to go on there and be really funny mm. and charming and tell the story about how you farted in a lift mm. or somebody you were in a scene with was sick in a bag and it was really funny. And you think, Cary Grant didn't have to do that. No. You know, he didn't demean himself. He just talked about the film. They pre promoted the film yeah. mm. in those days. And I think it's a problem now that if Daniel Radcliffe is awkward on, so many actors are awkward. That's why they're actors. You know, comics are confident and generally have a persona. They are themselves. Mm. Actors are very, very you know insular people frequently very shy don't always know themselves and you get some who go on those programs and they shine like uh what's the name is it emily blunt who goes on there and jennifer um jennifer what's the name of that one with a funny voice like that uh, you know that girl blonde very attractive does all the films oh jennifer lawrence jennifer lawrence yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. you know she's brilliant <laughs> but yeah. can you then watch her in a film in the same way again because you you've heard her talking about not wearing any pants somewhere or mm. falling flat on her face in a pile of cow shit and you go don't tell me that. <laughs> so anyway, all I'm saying is, and Radcliffe's new film, I don't know what I'm, where I'm going with this, but his new film, I saw a clip from it. He plays a terrorist. Yeah. An environmental terrorist. Shaven head. Shaven head. Yeah. No, he's got a beard. I can't remember what it was, but it was, it, it, he looks really good in it and nothing like we've seen him before. Yeah. Mm. Because we've seen him being so awkward on those chat shows. Yeah. That now gets in the way for me. Well, I don't know what yeah. he's good at. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, would, he would just be like, uh, oh, sorry, I guess I've got to bomb you now. See you later. You know, it just, it doesn't, you're right. There's, there's no intimidation. But then I suppose <laughs> no. uh, we spoke about Hugh Grant remodeling himself and he, because, you know, you would think, oh, and the undoing is just going to be like, uh, I suppose I'll kill you at some point. Uh, but actually, you know, was was brilliant. He was so maybe, maybe he'll change, but... Well, Colin Firth as well has come a long way from Darcy to King. Was it Kingsman? The mm, so horrible. Mm, I watched mm, one of those films I couldn't do. It's too violent for me. But again, <laughs> Colin, you know, you see Colin on a chat show of any sort, and it, it's, it's he doesn't exactly beguile people. He's very, <laughs> very, 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 um, yeah, you know, and a lot of actors are like that. We could go on, but we we unfortunately need to <laughs> tie things up. So I enjoyed that. I, I thought so. We did some some good sketches, some great voices. The by the way, David Mitchell, outstanding. Um, so well oh, wow. done to Josh. Uh, Thank uh, you very much. <laughs> very enjoyable. And um, next time Webb needs uh, someone to stand in for Mitchell, it's you. Uh, it's not me. Well, yeah, but you've got a great Webb. I think you should do a Webb <laughs> one. Focus on Webb. Thank yeah. you both. Thank you to Alistair McGowan. Thank you to Josh Berry. Alistair doesn't have a social media presence, but Josh has a huge social media presence. And uh, catch up with him. What's your Twitter handle? Oh, it's uh, Josh Josh Berry comedy. Yeah, I've been yeah. Uh, eschewing Twitter for a while of late <laughs> because it's a bit of a toxic forum of hate, isn't it? Jeff? Rather than yeah. rather than love, as Russell Brand preaches in it. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Instagram. I'm doing. I'm well, trying to do some stuff on there when I when I can. Yeah, which is the, sorry, the same the same handle, Josh Berry comedy. Catch up with Josh's uh, work. It's great stuff. So it just remains for me to say thank you to Josh. Thank you to Alistair. And uh, join us next time on Making an Impression, the sketches. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed the show, why not drop us a five-star review and subscribe on Apple or Spotify or your chosen podcast platform. Come and follow us on Twitter at Voice Maestros. We've got the same name on Instagram. 
I'll be dropping video clips of the recordings, bits of inside info, links to the shows, and there's all that and more, including all the sketches, on our website, www.voicemaestros.com. Oh, and uh, we've also got a Making an Impression Facebook page. If you'd like to write for the show, get in touch. Join us next time for another Making an Impression. <laughs>